Hey, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today I have a chance to sit down and talk to the always dynamic Rich Redmond. A lot of people know Rich as the drummer for Jason Aldean. We get into that, but we get into so much more. We talk about all the different plates that Rich is spinning uh, to keep himself busy. Some uh, new things in the works for him, like acting. We talk about how he stays involved with producing with his group, New Voice Entertainment. And of course, all the educational things that he's involved with and motivational speaking with his Crash Course for Success. To find out more about this podcast, you can go to workingdrummer.net. You can also find us on iTunes. If you have a minute and you enjoy what you hear, please go to the comments section or the review section and uh, write about us. That really helps us grow. You can also find us at Twitter, at working underscore drummer. And of course, on Facebook, like us if you will. Visit us. Any questions or comments, you can find us there or on the website. One last bit of news. You are listening to the audio portion of this podcast. But coming very soon, if not already, we are going to have a YouTube page up where you can watch a video version of my interview with Rich Redmond. So without further ado, here is Rich Redmond. Uh, this will be a great service for, you know, I mean, these things are at this, this educational angle. Is great because, you know, Nashville is big time on the map now. So you're providing a service. The more people can be informed about what to expect when they moved here. Like when you and I moved here, we didn't know anything. Yeah. We went out. We shook hands. Yeah. We crashed parties. Yeah. We, we worked at Forks. I, I, I uh, waited tables. Yeah. I waited tables for a few months in between work. As soon as I did, then something came in. Yeah. It's like some greater power said, oh, you're willing to work. You're willing to, like, you know, work in a slop sink. And, okay, I'll give you support. Oh, doing dishes. Oh, my God. That was bad. Yeah. yeah. No, man, it's just, it just gives us a chance to um, talk to people that are doing it for a living. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the guys we've had on, uh, like Ben Caesar and Jim Riley and you, are maybe going to be names that people recognize and they're going to know. Um, hey, maybe, you know what, you know who's not getting a lot of press or who has never gotten a lot of press, but maybe there's some of these guys while they're still around, you know, the, um, the, the Paul Limes, the Milton Sledges, the Owen Hales, yep. the, um, yes. you know, so, um, God rest his soul, Tommy Wells, you know, passed. His birthday is today. Oh, I can't believe I just mentioned his name on his birth. That's unbelievable. His birthday is today. He's real sweet. He's a workhorse drummer. That basically did two or three sessions a day every single day. And if he wasn't doing a session, he was coaching his son's hockey team or hanging out at Forks. Yes. And he just loved the drums. Like, I believe his name has come up maybe a couple times in our, in our talks. And he was just always the nicest guy. Always he always knew, knew a, even if he didn't remember your name, he would always, it was always about you. How are you, man? What are you, what are you up to? Oh, nice. And as a matter of fact, when I first moved to town, um, I was working at Forks, and Tommy came in, and I said, man, I got a question for you. 
during a session, would you mind if I hung out with you? I'll buy you lunch. I'll just be a fly on the wall and just stand. I swear I won't get in the way. He goes, I'd love that. Please, please <laughs> do. Love it. That's amazing. Great. Yeah. Sure, man. Come on out. You know, tomorrow is tomorrow. Fine. Oh, yeah, great. That's nice that you got that for free. I had to sign up for his $200 studio drumming class to do that. Well, you know, it's all you know. Anyways. <laughs> hey, so are we? did we officially start or? No. Okay. Yes, because we, we got to include these things. Uh, no, yeah, we've been rolling since you sat down. Oh, okay. Actually, uh, oh, I thought we were going to do like an official, like, "Hi, we're here today." I never do that. Oh my god. Okay. I never do that. Right. But uh, but here's the thing about it. I don't know how or what the deal was, but I did not have any money on me or a credit card or what. I don't, I don't know where where I was in in life. But when we went out, we went out to lunch. I was like, "Holy crap, Tommy." I don't have any, man, don't worry about it. I got you. Like I offered to buy him lunch so I could hang out with him. And then I show up and I don't have any money and he buys me lunch. How after. about that? Well, you know, what goes around comes around. It's, it's just all that karma thing. Pay, pay it forward, man. That's, that's why it's, it's really interesting to, to think a young person would want to, um, do that with us now. Like come see our recording session, our rehearsal or say, how does this work? And, and yeah. it's, it's, it's our responsibility it's not a choice, really. It's mm, our mm. totally. It's our responsibility to say, "Yeah, man, you know, come check this out." The only time where if it gets weird is if there's a there's an artist who's like, you know, really they want it to be a closed session, which is less and less common. I'm finding in Nashville, but most sessions are pretty open. Yeah, yeah. You could bring true. like a like a, a a thing of cookies and say, you know, um, "Hey, Keith Urban, I'm here with cookies," and you know, you can pretty much maybe be a fly on the wall for at least a, a, a verse and a chorus. Right, right. You know, where in other you know, genres, sometimes it's like, nope, closed session, do not even think about going in there. Right. You know. Man, there was a video, I was, I was searching around on some things on, online, uh, looking at stuff that you've been put up, just kind of getting ready to sit down to talk to you, and yeah. you had something, it was at a sound check, and you were filming something for Modern Drummer. Yeah. And uh, it just, it seems so, it, not thrown together, production-wise, but it was thrown together because I got to get this out there. You're going to get the information. It's not going to be all fancy and produced. Mm -hmm. But here it is. Hey guys, what was that? Beware of the. Oh, beware of the uh, the uh, the juba. The juba. Beware of the juba, which is a creature that I just created. But it's just you know how we all speak or sing drum. It's just like a flat flame, like juboom, you know, juba. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, that sounds like some sort of a scary creature from a sea horror movie. <laughs> and um, you know, all the articles that I have been writing for Modern Drummer, they kind of like the idea that it's uh, it. It, I don't take myself too seriously. This is this is supposed to be fun, and so like I'll I'll come up with a funny name for the exercise. Or yeah, something. yeah, I kind of yeah. like that. But it's true. I was actually supposed to shoot two videos that day, and and if, as you could tell, like the guys are like, and eh, eh, get right, get right. ready to sound check. I was like, get that GoPro. Let's get this done. They want this. So no, cool. but I mean it's cool because it's it's in the middle of everything, and it's like wow, hey, sound check. And and I think sometimes you do sound check, and there's people maybe have a special pass and they want to come and they want to see what goes on during sound check. They just want to kind of inside view. Even non-musicians, mm -hmm. they're just a fan of the band that you're working with or whatever. So yeah. they see that and I, I know that drummer's going to be like, wow, that's really cool. I, that goes on. Yeah, you know, I bring, I bring, um, I've been notorious for bringing like drummers that I'll meet online, like young kids and, and they'll say, you're going to be in my city in you know West Palm or you're going to be in Ohio. Right. Can I come see your sound check? And I go meet them and I bring them in and I say, do you know this song? And they go, yeah. And I go, well, you're playing it. Yeah, right. And, and I just and I just throw them into the fire. And the band will always tell me they'll be like, that kid's pretty good. You know, he's got a future. It'll be like, 
mm, I don't know. That kid should make sure that he goes to college and gets something real <laughs> safe. Um, right. But for the most part, these kids get up there and they know the material and and yeah. and and. I, can you imagine being like 14 or 15 years old and being thrown into a situation where you're playing on a beautiful state-of-the-art drum set, fully mic'd up with an amazing sound man in an arena with a band that played on the record, and you go. Right. I mean, what a, right. th- what a thrill. But what is it about the kids that they know they can reach out to you uh, as opposed to maybe another I'm, – I'm just trying to think of an example, but – I think that you make yourself so accessible. Well, we couldn't ever reach. I, it didn't seem like I could ever. We could ever reach out to, you know, like I'll find myself at a at an industry dinner with, you know, Liberty DeVito or Carmine Apice or all these guys that I grew up loving and idolizing yeah. and playing on the records. Yeah. And and but at the time, I didn't know how to get to them. We didn't have this internet. We didn't. Right. And so now. I mean, I'm friends with Steve Gadd on Facebook. You know, I mean, yeah, it's like yeah, I requested yeah. for Steve Gadd, and he said thumbs up. I mean, right. you can pretty much almost, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Now it's become even less. I think within th- one to three phone calls yeah. or key clicks, you can get to somebody. And it's just it's yeah. a matter of that person being willing to mm-hmm. being open and sharing ideas and information. Right. I think more and more people are open just to being transparent. Yeah. Less and less closed off because, you know, what we have, you know, being able to play the drums every single day for a living is kind of like winning the lottery or finding it. It's like a needle in a haystack kind of a thing. Very much so. So if we want to keep it, we got to give it away. Right. And we're not okay. going to be able to do it forever. Like, yeah. I mean, we're like, we take care of ourselves. Like I just spent $20 on a fresh juice and a fresh salad. It's a lot of money, but yeah. I'm putting great things into my body. Yeah, and you are what you eat, right? And yeah. you're also, um, you know, we're we're only going to be able to do it for God. If I can get another twenty years out of this, you know, I'll be I'll be sixty five years old. Um, that would be a great run, you know. Yeah. But I mean, drumming is so physical; it's athletic. Yeah, yeah. It is. So we have to take care of ourselves yeah. more than the saxophone player, more than the keyboard player, right? You know? Well, and and so you just like we, before we set up here, you came from uh, a session with a trainer working out. So tell me about like how long have you been doing that? What um, you know, I did it and I did a boot camp in 2012. Best results I've ever gotten. Um, just Is that be- here in town. And, and here, here in town, it was like a semi-private gym, and we I would go at like you know 7:30 in the morning, and oh, you're like no. you're moving tires and you're hitting, you're doing sledgehammer stuff, and yeah. you're doing the ropes, and you're using the TRX stuff and kettlebells. Yes. So you're combining like all these uh, different exercises that you wouldn't traditionally do. On okay, you're going to Planet Fitness, and you're there's your arm station, there's mm-hmm. those machines, mm-hmm. and here's the mm-hmm. circuit. That mm-hmm. stuff. After a while, it just doesn't work anymore. You're just not seeing results. You have to do extraordinary different things with your body to get the results right. I think you want. And and as you get older, things like flexibility is oh, a serious issue. Yeah. Like on the road, I stretch twice a day. I get up in the morning and I stretch and then I'll stretch before the show again. Because, you know, the way we play drums, I mean, it's not a bar mitzvah. I mean, it's yeah. – we're, we're – we're playing right and the, well the gig and the, that you're doing and the way you play i mean some drummers are going to be they're going to be maybe a little bit more reserved their their hands are going to be moving more than their arms yeah. where i see you play everything is moving and that's part of the style yeah. in which you are playing the drums but it's also part of the style in which you are showcasing your talents that people are seeing and being yeah. entertained by yeah, those are what, you know, the larger muscle groups are what I call the Hollywood muscles. Those are the Hollywood. I mean, still in drumming, it comes down to you've got the finger. So you've got your finger technique yeah. and then you've got your, your, you know, your lower arm, your forearms. 
and it's the combination. Then once you start getting into playing a higher dynamic, you get into some some other muscle groups. And then once you start getting into this shoulder cap stuff and upper back, and that's what I call the Hollywood muscles. But the people out there that are that are it's you know tomorrow uh, Saturday night we're doing uh, a stadium show with Kenny Chesney. So sixty five thousand people. The guys and what I do is I'll go up. I make it a point whenever we play those stadiums, I will go up to the last, the highest seat I could possibly. I don't like heights either. I will march up there just to get some perspective. Yeah. You see, like, yeah. this dude paid a full ticket price to come and sit in here, and some yeah. paid too much for beer, and he's going to sit up here, and what am I going to do? I'm going to be like a little ant down there. Somehow I have to set myself apart and yeah. be an entertainer sure. so he can come home and maybe he'll say, Man, that's the best rumor I ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And and he doesn't maybe he doesn't own it. Maybe he came to see Kenny mm-hmm. um, Chesney, and and he goes, well, man, I really like that drummer. Maybe I'll check out this Jason Aldean guy. I don't have and boom, I just sold six records for Jason mm-hmm. Aldean because mm-hmm. I didn't mail it in. I treated mm-hmm. I treated it like a um, like I'm a character actor or something. Yeah. You know, when I went to see Paul McCartney about three years ago, can't miss that guy. <laughs> can't miss his drummer. I thought. Wow, here's a chance for me to see a Beatle for the first time in my life, and maybe for the first time ever or the last time ever, and I could not stop watching Abe Laboreal Jr. I mean, he's just in it. He's, he's, uh... And I wonder how many other people... I mean, as a drummer, of course I'm going to watch him, and I've been following yeah, him playing for years. Yeah, I know people that don't like any... They don't know anything about music. Do you see me McCartney's drummer? Because it's just a guy who's just shining so bright because he's in... Uh, he's like deep in his calling. Like yeah. that's his calling. Yeah, it's to play the drums, it's to insane. sing like a bird. And, oh, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just it's listening amazing. to a live record yesterday. I'm like, oh, that's him. I hear him. For the people that are watching the video, I must say the 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 um, the gym that I work out at, no shower. So that's why you're seeing this curly, interesting hair. You will never see in a press shop. We offered a shower here, man. He's got that. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> When we were uh, going to get together uh, last week, it, it was uh, very ambitious. Uh, you had CMA week, and uh, it was really sweet of you to offer that oh, yeah. time. And I'm and then I'm looking at him like, he's not going to have time. Sure enough, man, can we move it? So <laughs> I just was either do the interview or sleep. Yeah, no, no, no. I understand. Um, actually, before I get to the, that question that I kind of had set up for that day, um, I don't want to leave the the subject here quite yet of how you balance some sort of how to keep yourself healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously going to the gym, uh, eating right, uh, sleeping, but you're, you're, you're a drummer, you're a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, I believe that too. And you know, it's like, I work out as much as I possibly yeah, you're can. You're looking great, man. I haven't seen uh, you in a long time. You I got the pull up bar right here above right, our heads. You can't right. see We're going to, we're going to demo that later. <laughs> um, but so I realize the importance, especially as I get older, because I still want to play. I want to play the best I can. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is, yeah, I want to be healthy so I can be around to have to experience my grandkids. But I also, nice. drumming is so important to me, and I have so much fun when I have the energy, and I can do everything that I want to do and do everything that I did when I was 20. But you have lots of things. You have lots of uh, other things that are influencing you, whether it's uh, travel, whether it's uh, the bad influences, uh, whether it's food or mm-hmm. alcohol or other things or parties and different things like that. How yeah. do you balance that? Because not only that, but you have an insane schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, at the higher levels of touring, you, there's usually um, at mid levels of touring, there'll, there'll be local catering and that'll vary. That's like that's almost like um, a mid level band that goes and uses um, the local front of house guy and backline gear. So gotcha. there's a lot of acts that'll do that. So it's you don't know what you're going to get. So every day is a, is a unique and exciting thing and um in this it'll be the same thing with food and like you know a band could put together a rider and say well we got one lactose intolerant guy in the band we got yeah. one guy who's yeah. a vegan we got one yeah. and so they'll try to accommodate you um the lower the act is the less likely that promoter is going to be to 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 work with they're just like look at you're getting barbecue and you're getting barbecue because like you know i was me and the guys in Aldean's band we used to be in a band called rush low and we had two soft hits and we toured like crazy and the catering was always just horrendous and so you have to carry you know protein bars and stuff and we were partying a little bit you know i had a party period there and yeah. i came out the other side which is great i never got to like snorting fire ants or anything like that yeah. but but um but we but now um in the upper levels of touring you have a caterer that travels with you so you yeah, get to know yeah, through yeah. personal relationships gotcha. i know the guy who owns the catering company i could say hey I love my tuna with like fat-free mayonnaise, like very little. And can I get a salad every day? And at the end mm. of the show, can I have a chicken breast? And he's like, no problem. Yeah, we can yeah, have yeah. Coffee and there's a blender. And it's like it's like kind of like pampered, you know. Yeah. But it didn't happen overnight. We had to go through all the you know funnel cakes and 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 barbecue and, yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff to get to the point where um, you know. You can have some of the finer points in touring, which is would be like a, a bus with a what they call a condo bunk. You know the condo bunk. So, like uh, for those listeners out there, a tour bus usually can accommodate twelve people. So there's two rows of six bunks right, on each right. side, yeah. and so a condo bunk is um, you're, there's only four on each side. So there's eight bunks, and so you can actually sit up in your bunk. You can actually type on your laptop. There's a DVD screen that you know. It, that's my little world. When I'm at the end of the night. I pull that curtain and I, I do my best. The rules, my rules of the road is always take your suitcase everywhere you go because if you leave it behind somewhere, you're, you're going to need something. So huh. I take that suitcase with me wherever I go and I never pass up a hot meal. I never pass up a hot shower and I never pass up six to eight hours sleep when I could get it. Like if you can find those things, yeah. get, take advantage of it because you don't know what the next one's going to be. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and then just I'm like, what is in this suitcase? Yeah, just be prepared. What is special? Oh, there's nothing special in the suitcase. There's, <laughs> you know, you've got your, uh, you know, the drummer's always got to travel a little heavier because we sweat. Yeah. And right. work way harder. Oh, than yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I, I see a, a, a guy I work with, it's like, he's been wearing the same, like, pair of clothes or he travels very light. I'm like, what do you do? He's like, well, you know, I, I can wear this shirt like two or three times. I'm like, are you kidding me? I won't make it through sound check. I know. Okay, so, I mean, look <laughs> I at I the... wait to take a shower until after sound check because, yeah. and then to make sure I've got a fan so I can try and hold on to some gig clothes so I yeah. don't wear them out. So the crew guys are notorious, man, because they wear all black and so they can pack literally for uh, 10 days, they can have one pair of shorts, <laughs> the workout boots, and then they, they, they only wear free swag shirts. Yep. yep. And I'm like, guys, have you ever bought a shirt? They're like, no, why would we ever buy a shirt? We have free shirts from Zildjian, DW, uh, Oralex. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, that's smart. Awesome. Hey, they're saving their money. What about physical, like, like uh, working out and stuff like So the food, sleep. 
that's all set in place. And you said there was that party period time, but you yeah. come out on the. I'm just trying to, you know, it's like as at because we're almost the same age. Yeah. Um, kind of balancing all that stuff to put on the best performance you can. Yeah, I mean, some people just have rules. Like I, like uh, uh like I'm a social drinker, so I, tr- my thing is, is I just try not to drink before the show. If even if yeah. the, uh, even if other bands. The, other, the the drummer has the most responsibility, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to 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 lead that, drive that truck, and and just lead all the musicians. If the drummer's having a bad night, it's a, you, the drummer can't have a bad night. Uh, I believe it. We're really responsible for everything. Right. So right. So uh, just waiting till after, you know, if if it's if it's going to be a if it's going to be a party night, just wait till after. And you got to live your life. So you know, you got to pick and choose your battles. If you're on the road for five days. You cannot party five nights in a row, yeah. especially since um, what I do is I'll get my six hours sleep and then when the bus pulls into a new city, I get up and I either do some sort of a master class or I teach private lessons at a drum shop or I'll do a motivational event for a corporation or a high school. Mm-hmm. Then I'll go do my sound check and yep. then I'll have dinner and then I'll do the show. And there'll be some weekends where I have three gigs and I'll do a teaching event, a sound check and a show, teaching event, sound check, show. So I'm playing drums all day yeah for three days in a row and it's very exhausting yeah so at the end of the show you're like get me to bed i'm gonna go to bed you know maybe you know maybe at the end of the show if you want to have that you want to have that glass of everyone's you know you have that glass of red wine i watch a horror movie you know or something or you know bill maher you know yeah yeah. (laughs) just just to unwind right right exactly it's great yeah um what I was going to say before was uh, the day we were going to meet, uh, you guys were performing in town for CMA Week, right? Yeah, you had sound check. We did. We did. Um, let's see. We had a. We had the CMA CMT Music Awards. So for all the listeners out there, the award shows usually work like this: the day before is uh, is sound check and camera blocking, so the crew can kind of get an idea of how the flow of the show is going to go. Yeah, yeah. And so that is that's kind of like a soft call. You're only going to be there a couple days, um, and then the next day, the day of the show, usually there's an earlier call, and then there's a. Um, um, there is a dress rehearsal, so the camera guys and the announcers and everybody involved with the whole thing can actually feel the whole rhythm of the show going down, yeah. and then everybody changes. So walk us through like your day, like what what you had to do that day. So that day, uh, we probably had like um, like a eleven a.m. call or something like that, and usually there's a lot of hurry up and wait, and you're just waiting for somebody to say, yeah. "Okay, you guys are um, this is a three hour award show, and you are in the middle of the first hour." Mm-hmm. So and then there's all you, so you have a dressing room, and then there's all these wranglers, and these wranglers will come and say, "Jason Aldean Band." Five minutes, walking in five minutes, and then you follow the little wrangler down the hallway, mm-hmm. and then the, you know walls are disappearing and things are moving, and there's all these worker bees that are in audio and carpentry and lighting, and it's amazing energy yeah, back there. Yeah. And then you you just have to be focused and go look at that's my set of drums. I have this amount of time. It's like playing the Grand Ole Opry. I have this amount of oh, time to get out to that <laughs> set of drums. Plug my ears in, and then you're waiting. And then s- sometimes you have the feed from the announcer, like uh, like for example, some there's like Ron White. There's a comedian or somebody mm-hmm. that's going to introduce the actor, an athlete. And sometimes you have that. Um, that feed of what they're saying through your ears and other times I'm like I don't have this feed and he's like don't worry about it there's some guy off in the corner he's gonna go watch me and I'll give you a count and it's like five four 
ladies and gentlemen, Jason, and I'm boom. And then you have to, sometimes you have to ha- time that count where it's uh, overlapping uh-huh. the announcer because they want to, sh- they want less nice. dead time. Yes. And other times you're like, give it a beat. And you're responsible for this. 60 million people know, watching this, I right? Yeah. And other times you're playing with a, uh, what they call, um, Live, live, which is you're playing live. Yeah. You're actually hitting your instruments. Everything is mic'd. That's live, live. And then you have um, where you are actually miming. And mm-hmm. this happens a lot. And this was a, an invention of Dick Clark Productions because the idea is that they can fit more acts onto the show and there's less risk of problems with audio and uh, signal path for instruments. Yeah. So there's dummy heads on the drums and we have what we call video symbols you know all about this where there's two symbols that are glued together and you have to hit them a little bit extra hard to get them to move so america uh-huh. and the world thinks that you're actually hitting real symbols yes, yeah, yeah. and it's your personal responsibility to know the song cold because you might have camera coverage from the front the side the back and a jib and one of yeah. those cameras is going to catch you hitting a symbol at the wrong time or not playing the appropriate fill right and it right. blows the whole mystique Right of the Hollywood factor, and it's like yeah. an actor hitting their marks or knowing their lines, and it blows me away the number of drummers that in high level gigs that don't take the time to learn their own damn drum parts, right, right. or they'll say, or it's a pride thing. It's like, well, I didn't play on this, you know. Lonnie Wilson played on this, and I, I, there, no one's going to see me do this, you know. No, we're watching. The whole no. world is. Dude, watching. I ran into you uh, at, at our Starbucks, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I was like, man, that was a great performance. I saw you last week. This was maybe four years ago. And you're like, yeah, well, we mimed. Yeah, no, no one has ever guessed that our band has mimed, which is amazing. This is the guitar players literally playing everything they would, yeah, and 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 just actually uh, moving and interacting with each other the same way. And a lot of times, uh, the musicians will be miming, and then Jason's vocal will be real. Yeah. His vocal is always real. He's never lip sync ever. Really. And what's great about um, uh, being in a band with like really strong players and a really strong singer is that a lot of times you'll get a reputation as being a high energy reliable group of musicians so then the producers of these shows will say yeah miming 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 lip syncing Aldine's band is either going to play live or they're going to mime and Aldine's vocal is going to be live yeah and, and they'll hire us They'll, they'll put us in a portion of the show where they need a boost of energy or something where they can really cornerstone and say, we can rely on these guys. Oh, that's I think, awesome. I think, and I think that's something just you can – all drummers and musicians could take out there for their personal career. And your, tra- your career trajectory is you know, your reputation is everything. Your reputation precedes you and your yeah. reputation is the, the, the cumulative result of the of your actions over an extended period of time. Right. So if you're consistently like um, – doing the right thing, like being overprepared and never right. mailing in a performance right. and always playing the best of your ability, word gets around fast. Right. Not as fast as you not doing those things. Exactly. Right, right. Bad exactly. news travels twice as fast. It does. It does. So You learn um, that in retail. Yeah. Yeah. The customer has a bad experience. Oh, customer service is a thing of the past. So when I – the only reason why I am such an avid – I know there's better coffee out there. There might be better coffee out there, mom and pop spot. You know, I always – but when I go to Starbucks, I could be at one end of the airport and I'm staring at a Pete's or a Seattle's Best and I will see if I have time to make it to the other end of the airport to go to Starbucks because I know when they walk in – they they greet me with a smile. Yeah. The, 
product is consistent. Yeah. And they treat me with respect. They know the product. And it's just like, it's service with a smile. Right. It's like they write my name on the gl- cup. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a thing of the past. So when I find products that I know, like, wow, I'm going to get this same product anywhere on the planet, mm-hmm. it makes me feel special. I'll spend the money to do that. Right. And that's what we can do as musicians because we are actually in sales because no one is going to hire us to play music, which is, let's face it, people like music, but we don't need music. You know what I mean? I think that's maybe a problem with... That might be a whole other podcast. This is a whole... Like, people don't put any value on it because it's one of those things... I mean, people will say, I need music in my life, but yeah, but not to live. Like, you got to have food, shelter, clothing to live, Yeah. right? So, but no one's going to pay me to play the drums until they buy into me as a human being. Do they want to spend time with me? Am I likable? Mm-hmm. Can I take direction? Mm-hmm. Am I a team player? Would they want to be on a bus with me for oh, yeah. twenty three oh, right, hours? Right, right. Like, yeah. I mean, you people have to. We're we're selling ourselves first. It, yeah. And what can you do to sell yourself first? Look people in the eye. Right. Have a firm handshake. Um, do what you say you're going to do. Right. And I want listeners to understand that where you're coming from with some of the shows that you're doing now um, applies all the way down to the club gig, to any show that you have, because this has come up many times before. And we've had stories of drummers that got called to do a last-minute sub. Maybe uh, maybe it's a a certain Broadway gig uh, with players that they didn't know. Broadway, lower Broadway, Nashville, Tennessee. Exactly. Sorry. (laughs) Not not Spider-Man, the the Spider-Man on Broadway. Um, So they were reluctant to take the gig. They took it anyways. They bonded with the bass player. They came in. They brought their A game. That turned into an audition for an artist, which turned into a great road gig. And changed their life. Changed their life. That one situation changed their life. We got Mike on audio video, guys. You aren't seeing Mike because he's behind the camera. He's just one of those guys. He's really modest, but he is handsome as shit. (laughs) Hey, but no, that's the thing is that people just think, well, this is a small level gig. I'm just going to mail this in. You're shooting yourself in the foot because it's the small gigs that lead to the big ones. So if you treat the small gigs like Madison Square Garden, you will play Madison Square Garden eventually. You know, I wanted to play Madison Square Garden when I was 25 years old. That's going to be your quote, man. Didn't happen until I was 42, but I, I didn't give up and I... You know, I kept moving forward, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a couple podcasts you've done in the past and interviews, and um, I, I, I know that people can access them, and they've probably heard them already, but I didn't want to get too far in without just giving some quick background on where you're from, how you got into drums. Sure. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with that because it, I, I think it's been covered. Yeah, people don't care. They're like, what are you doing right now? <laughs> well, um, no, that's the world we live in. It's like, you know, instant gratification. It's like, all right, what are you doing? What have you done in the last five years? It is. Well, I think because when you hear somebody's story and how they got involved, kind of, it, it, it's, it makes it relatable. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least in my opinion, it just kind of gives them a, a, something to relate to. Like, yeah, man, that's how I got started. That's, that's how, how I, I did it. Yeah. Or, or I had this great teacher. Or I had no teacher. I had mm-hmm. this and that. Um, yeah. And this is... Oh, if he if he's done that, then 
that kind of inspires them. I can do that too, which is totally true. You can do anything anything you want to do. But I mean, I I started playing in like 76. I'm from from, uh, Milford, Connecticut, small town in Connecticut. And um, I, um, you know, I went through the, I had a great teacher named Jack Berge and I got the Gladstone pad and the little blue sparkle snare drum. And we were working through Joel Rothman books. He was teaching me my five stroke rolls and my flams. And then I got a little kick drum and a little cymbal and I was doing some more Rothman books and playing with Queen records and, and Kiss records. And um, then we moved to Texas in, in when I was 11 mm-hmm. and Texas is an amazing music education state. Right, so, right. so I joined the band in the fifth grade and I did fifth band through fifth and t- through 12th grade. And I was, but I did everything the school had. So I was playing in choir. I was, you know, backing up choirs. I was doing a symphonic band, um, pep band, a marching band, you know, and then I did the same thing in college and I ended up getting a four year degree in percussion and music education from Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. There's nothing to do there but practice. And <laughs> and then I went to uh, the University of North Texas, which is, yeah. is was one of the first schools to have a jazz degree. And of course, the lab band programs there, um, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough. I wanted to, my goal of mine was to play in the one o'clock lab band because a lot of drummers that I really admired had come from there. Guys like Steve Houghton and Ray Brinker and Greg right. Bissonnette. And, right. you know, so I was at the school the same time with Blair Sinta from Alanis Morissette's band, Keith Carlock from, uh, you know, you know, Sting and the Blues St- Brothers and Steely, you know, Dan. Steely Dan. And I knew he was going to change the world. Um, and just some re- other really just fantastic game changing drummers. I knew that they were all going to go to New York and LA or do their thing. I'm more of an L.A. guy over in New York. I mean, I like the sunshine, that whole thing. And so in, in, uh, when I was 26, I said to myself, I'm going to move to Los Angeles. And I was like preparing myself to head out there. And I started – I got some auditions here in Nashville. Three auditions in three back-to-back weeks with Dina Carter, Barbara Mandrell, and Trish Yearwood. And it always came down to me and another guy. And the other guy always lived in Nashville. I was still living in Dallas, Texas. Right, I and remember I said, this, yeah. That's it, dude. I, yeah. I, no one knows me in Los Angeles. A couple of people have said that they enjoyed my drumming in Nashville. Dina Carter came out with a record called Strawberry Wine. Mm, it's just kind of like Linda Ronstadt, California, cool, pop, country. I can do this. Yeah. And so I gave my band two weeks notice and I moved here. And and, and if this was in 1997, which was after the... the uh, big country boom you know the alan jackson gone country craze and so nashville was kind of like in a in a uh it was shedding its cocoon it was trying to figure out what it was going to do next and you know so i came here with a box of cassette demos 400 cassette demos i moved here on a tuesday i had a gig with a society band by on Saturday mm-hmm. and uh, was waiting tables and I, I had my master's degree. So I, I, I think I got paid $70 a day to substitute teach. And so, you know, Jim Riley and I from the drummer for the last five, we're living together mm-hmm. and he's hustling gigs and he, yeah. he got the Mark Chestnut gig. And I was still, I was playing with a guy named Rick Orozco, who I still is a, a dear friend. Uh, he's very involved with the, the Grammys and the Latin Grammys in Texas. Um, and we went to, I don't know, maybe seven or eight countries together, you know, South Korea and, and, uh, you know, Dubai and Egypt and Greece. And we brought, we played, uh, for the troops, we played, um, New Year's Eve, 1999 in Iceland, like just crazy places. I would never have gone had I not met, met Rick. And so I would say probably for the first eight years in Nashville, just hustling, taking anything I could possibly take and then supplementing with a day job because, 
you know, for the folks out there, um, the pay scale in Nashville, I'm just going to pull back the curtain, is not as strong as some of the other cities. But I think it's a result of, A, it's never been about the musicians in Nashville. It's always been about the front person. This is not a band town. It's always about who's standing up front. Yeah. You know, like yeah. those guys in the back, man, they're interchangeable to work for peanuts. Yeah, everyone wear black. Everyone wear so. black. That's changed, thank God. It has God. changed, yeah. In 1997, it was, uh, I want everybody in black. Yeah. Um, you there, you there behind the drums. Interesting, yeah. yeah. Um, and now, uh, and I think the pay scale was also a result of the, just the, the cost of living here. I mean, we're like, in, it's kind of like middle America. Like, it was yeah. very affordable. Of course, now we've got a massive boom happening where massive skyscraper condos are going up, martini bars, there's valet stands poking up all over the place. You can't find a place to park. This is a little big town. This is like, it's a city. I mean, we are on the map. We have sushi, man. So, so how is... <laughs> Barbecue sushi. So, are, as a result, are we going to see a change in, the, in that dynamic, or I, is... I think it's going to be a good change, because with people coming from New York, L.A., Atlanta are bringing their, their, their multicultural outlook on life and their, their musical stylings, and it's, and it's affecting our music. At the same time... Is it going to affect build, our paycheck? Build, build, it could go up. It could go yeah. up because, and that's what I, I actually, I started a little musician's referral service and I haven't gone crazy like da da, here's the website and everything, but I call it, uh, I call it, um, Musomatch and I'm going to build Musomatch.net and it's basically my whole goal is to have quality, quality musicians that I send out and one of the, my goals is to get the pay up for musicians. Yeah, I want the, the 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 perception of musicians, what they bring to the table, the value that musicians bring, and their pay scale to mm -hmm. to, to to move up. And I'm not really speaking for myself because I have one of the few gigs in town that that is a, one of the things where it's like, wow, okay, I can have a quality lifestyle here. It didn't happen overnight. I'm on year 18, right? right. But you know, I'm not complaining about my pay scale. But when I hear about like, oh my god, so this person has a major label record deal with one single out, and they're paying what? Yeah, or you just did a showcase for the biggest label in town, and they wanted to pay you what? Mm -hmm. No, right. Come through my referral service. I'm going to send you the greatest musicians for that job, like a, like a casting agent that are perfect for that job, mm -hmm. and you're getting paid, and you're getting paid that day yeah. before you walk on stage. Right. You're not going to be invoicing a record label for six months later. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's just one of the many little things that I do, but it's just a little uh, way you can kind of like create change in the world yeah. what is it that motivates you to do so much outside if you got this great gig admit it you, you say look i've got one of the few nice paying gigs play with this i mean you guys have you've had numerous uh number one hits that yeah. you've played on yeah. on the record um people know who you are well they know they know jason aldean what what is your motivation to do more than just play drums for jason aldean because i mean we could spend a good amount of time talking about all the different things that you've done um you're doing i got a picture for you guys where do i have this written down you know my, my latest greatest fun thing is that i'm doing and it's like you know you have this thing that you have this thing that's you're avoiding the, the question Rich. it's in the back of your mind no i'm gonna get i'm gonna come full circle <laughs> it, the, you have this thing in the back of your mind like like i've seen every episode of three's company okay now like Granted, this is like I'm. You know, we're recording, I, right? I'm an old guy. Okay. I've seen every episode a million times. Jack Tripper, Chrissy. I love the format. All the different of Chrissies. the sitcom. All the the sitcom. Twenty two minutes. 
create a problem, solve the problem. Uh-huh. Hilarity ensues. Eight minutes of commercials. Uh, Furly, all the way, all the way. And well, I was, I was doing the American Music Awards. Uh, not the music, American, we were doing the C, there's so many ACM, CMAs. It was the CMA Awards in yeah. Dallas. And the, the stage manager, I started talking to him. Turns out he had also been in, in TV, like drama and comedy. Mm-hmm. He was the produ- one of the main guys for Three's Company. Three's Company. <laughs> so we started talking about it. I was like, oh my God, he gave me his number. He says, yeah, we're going to go get some fish tacos. Let me know when you're in LA. I'll tell you all about it. So I've always wanted to somehow, like my, my secret career fantasy is to be on a sitcom. You came pretty close this last week, didn't you? I want to do a little... I want to do a little acting. So, so here I am. Everybody makes... They, oh, why does he make so many faces when he plays the drums? Dude, I mean... Man, it's got a little Vin Diesel going I mean, on. If you can't so, I see mean, the darkness... This is, this, the- is ama- this is so fun. They gave me a toy gun. They covered me in blood. Action. Cameras. Yeah. The whole Hollywood experience, man. I made right. a movie. I made a movie. Yes. And I was with all these other SAG actors pros yeah they had no idea it was my first acting gig they're like i was like this is my first job guys and they're like you have yeah that's funny and, and and i was like i was like no this is my first job they would have never known so i i but i i over prepared i i worked on my lines for like six months i developed my character i had an idea of what i wanted him to wear yeah and for those 48 hours that i was there i was so focused on getting this job done and interacting. Did you take any acting lessons or anything like that? Got some direction, yeah, yeah, yeah from yeah. some people. But I also, the, the guy that hired me, he said, I don't, I don't want you, I think your too many lessons are going to ruin why oh, I want you on this film. Yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. I want you to just be yourself. Right, right. Just bring that thing to the table. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of got the bug, and I'm thinking, okay, I can do this. So on the 30th of this month, in two weeks, I'm going to like the best headshot photographer in Los Angeles and I'm going Get for out. I'm going for this shit. Now see, when I'm as the thing about the podcast which has been fun is it's not what I do. I play drums. Yeah. So it's like I really don't know what I'm doing. And Mike has experience with uh voiceover and working with voiceover actors and he's I, been I giving I love voiceover. The new Hardy's Thick Burger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like in the seventies, it was like, by now the new Hardy's Thick Burger was all happy, and now it's like, do it. We've got the meat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> well, the thing that that's been fun uh, about this is I don't really know what I'm doing, and I don't really care. That's and well, so you're it's learning been, on the job. Right, right. With with drums, I'm like, oh, man, I got this is people know me. This is I've got to do this. I've got to do this right. And I, I'm, I'm going to prepare. Now, I'm going to prepare for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like you say, everything that you do, like getting ready for that, you work on your lines, you took some you know direction to over prepare to enjoy the process. But was it kind of how did it fare in comparison to playing drums? I mean, was it less? Was it more fun? Did you feel like this? Um, like, hey, look, I'm not really an actor, so whatever. It wasn't more fun. It was just like it was an out-of-body experience because when sometimes you have these moments, you're like, I am covered in blood, and I am have a gun, and I have to walk <laughs> around this corner. Action. I hit my mark. Interact with these other people. Make it believable. Um, you're just pretending. You know what I mean? I know. It's like, you're playing. It's, playing. It was so fun. But I never for a moment said, I don't belong here. As a matter of fact, I said, yeah, yeah. this is one of the many things that I can do. It's yeah. another outlet for creative expression. Yes. And there was a reason why I was there. 
And the people that were around me said, mm, we've got this other movie that we're going to try to get funded. We need $3 million, but do you want to play the younger boyfriend for this older lady? And I Ooh, said, is it Harold Maude part two? I said, I said, dude, I'm in. So like, this is like this whole other fun and exciting thing, which it just allows you to explore, you know, your humanity and be creative. And then when I come back to the drums, it's all the more special because let's face it, like mm. doing the drums since 1976, like I never ever mail it in and I never take it for granted. But at the same time, you, if you don't break it up, you're like, oh yeah, I'm just doing another stadium today, you know? I, I, I don't ever let that happen because at the back of my mind, it kicks in. It's like, dude, you're playing a freaking stadium. It took so long to get here. Yeah. But but yeah. just by breaking it up and doing some other things, when you come back to the drums, it's so special because you yeah. realize like, sure. ooh, sure. this feels really good because yeah. I've been away from it yeah. for a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and, and that's so, I mean, I'm, what I was, my question was all these other projects that you've gotten, you've gotten involved with that are within the spectrum of music. Yeah. Um, music is the umbrella. All these things relate. Yes. So acting is, is just as relatable as, uh, like the new voice entertainment group mm -hmm. that you, you work with. Yeah. Yeah. Like new voice is a production company we've had for almost eight years. So it's like Kurt Alice and Tully Kennedy and David Fanning and everybody like as individually is, has a great accomplishments. And like David has his first single out. He has a record deal. Mm, Excuse oh. me. Um, collectively when we get together, it's a really special thing. As a matter of fact, like, I don't want to make it sound like well, we're trying to carve out our piece of history, but for whatever reason, we are the first rhythm section production team in the history of Nashville. Mm -hmm. There's Nashville has always just been a producer, mm -hmm. a guy that comes in and he calls the A team or the B team, or he calls his favorite people. Like well, a the A team agent. could be multiple drummers, but he's going to pick. Yeah. He's going to assemble a team. And we just said we are the, the production. We are producing from the studio floor together. And it starts with having that strong rhythm section, yeah. creating that foundation. And then um, – because there's two ways that uh, people cut in Nashville. Um, you can cut where you strip it down where it's – there's a rhythm section. And then what's what we do is we'll bring in our favorite keyboard player, steel, play, steel player, and acoustic player. And we, we do another overdub session where they add the icing on our cake. But it's um, – the session – with our cake is yeah. where we really spend a lot of time trying to reinvent the wheel and sometimes we'll I'll come back to playing the first beat that we play an hour earlier but we have the time to explore yes okay yeah. and then there's another way that people track in Nashville which is what we call the Nash I call it the Nashville orchestra there's an orchestra on the damn floor it's a bass drums two electrics an acoustic guy a steel player and a keyboard and a keyboard player and everybody it's harder to work in that scenario to create re something really really special because the music has changed like in 1997 it was like you know it was a little bit more that thing yes and there was like a science to it yes. and now that all these other influences are coming and we're trying to reinvent the wheel there's pop elements and there's loops and things are being gridded and mm -hmm. sometimes you just need more time I mean, uh, I know. you know, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And for me as a session musician working for other people, the most time I've ever had to do anything is I did a, uh, a Steel Magnolia record with Dan Huff and we did um, three hours a song. And that is like mm. living life. I mean, yeah. that's like really tearing apart the structure, coming back to things. Oh, that's a fun record. Rehearsing by the way. I have that record. Oh, dude. Thank you. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, and, um, experiment with the with the with the uh, with the snare drums you can then overdub percussion right there at that mm -hmm. session mm -hmm. it's a lot of time 
Um, the other model is what we do with Aldine. We have um, we cut a song every ninety minutes. But in in our defense, that Michael Knox is such an amazing song man. He's Jason's producer. He picks amazing songs and like world class songs. Mm-hmm. Like these songs, they they practically play themselves. And it's just a matter of executing and getting a great performance yeah. that everybody can agree with. And then you go down that scale and there's all of us that are in the trenches that do demos. And um, there's, new, there's new guys in town, and I, some of them have been on the show, but, you, but guys like Miles McPherson and Jerry Rowe and Near Z and Dorian Crozier and all these guys. There's, in the last four years that mm-hmm. I, I haven't been doing, for whatever reason, I've been trying to write songs. So I haven't been doing demo sessions, but now there's all these new drummers, yeah. world-class drummers that are here in town. And that model is you do one song every 30 minutes mm-hmm. or less. So you're hearing a song for the first time, and you have to have so much instinct to go, Okay, so maybe the songwriter goes, all right, think John Mayer's second record. Mm. Okay, and you go, oh, I, don't, I don't have that one, but I, know, I have the first one. And I can, I, I, okay, and then you pick out a snare drum, and then, okay, is there a loop? No, oh, we've got the loop. Okay, send me the loop. And then I'm thinking, okay, well, let's get this, and I've got to execute on the first or second pass, and then yeah. when the guitar players are overdubbing, I'm going to throw on a tambourine. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, and we're short on time, so I don't think I could do a maraca, full maraca pass and a full tambourine pass, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to have like, I'll put a towel on the floor, Tom, and, and do my maracas on the verse and then bail out quick enough to get. Oh, know, right, right. Then, to have that. Do it gotcha. in one pass. Yeah. Sure. And, and you really have to be a, a, a good judge of quality control for yourself because once you play something, it is there forever. Right. It's a record of your performance. You right, know? right. And a lot of right. times we don't have control. I mean, we don't know if they're going to line things up or grid it or leave it or if they're going to add samples you I have know, no I idea know. what's going to happen but you know what it's not your business your business is to just emote and give that person the best product yeah. performance that you could yeah. possibly do and that's the job and that's what i tell my students is that you think that you're so special you are always going to be working in service of a song, in service of an artist, in service of a producer, in service of a record label. You're like the lower man on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. You're playing. This is a musical service. It's like almost like saying, "Fries, you want fries with that?" I mean, yeah. really, that's what we do. It's awesome. It's oh, an yeah, awesome yeah. life because we're not actually saying, "Do you want fries with that?" I've done that, yeah. but still, it is a service unless you have your own band like my friend uh fred uh friend fred who um plays with cowboy mouth it's his band he's the front man he's up front so he calls the shots and he's like i don't like that guitar tone i don't like that i don't like that bass that you're dragging you know it's his product and it's a lot of responsibility because right right that is the thing you you do carry less responsibility at the end of the day you come in you do your thing you take direction and and sometimes and with the, the right attitude then you can utilize that. Be creative within your element. But then, especially, I mean, if you're not in in the like the production area like you're in, but just strictly playing the role as drummer on a demo session or on any type of recording, where that's your job is to come in and play drums and some percussion, you're done. Yeah, you got you got to take direction. Right, right. You're done. And and sometimes it's so funny because sometimes there's recordings you do where you're the first person to be putting the part down and you're the last person to get the, to hear it. You know, Hey, remember that uh, recording you did? Remember that CD you played on a year or two years ago? Here's a copy. We finally got the budget together to get it mixed. Right. And you're like, wow, I don't even play like that anymore. I would have done, I would have done that differently. (laughs) You know, there's so many, there's very seldom do I hear something where I go, I am so happy with not only the performance and the players and the songs and the mix 
like to have all those things come together like i am so proud of this you know what i mean because yeah, a lot of times when you're yeah. a session musician yeah the vocal is either going to be not good or it's mixed way too hot yeah or some of the players in the band weren't the greatest or the songs we got amazing performances of really bad songs i, I don't want to get too far from that though again because i want people to understand i think john hole pulled up my drum tag it's his birthday today john hole we've been working with him for three him. years i'm gonna hit pause and we're gonna go find it we're coming out john i want to go back to something that you uh said before you said Never have I been, oh, when you hear a recording, like, oh, I'm so proud of this performance, this mix, this vocal, blah, 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 blah. Because I've struggled with that. It's so hard. And we've talked about this before, so I don't want to get too far into it, but I want to get your perspective on it. Is sometimes when you do a session, you do a recording, you you, you have to kind of let go as the drummer. And even uh, I did a recording last year with the band Savannah Jack, and yeah. um, the singer and I got into it one day, and I was like, man... I did this overdub, I did this percussion loop, and, and it's not in there. And it's in the second verse. Why would it be in the second verse and not in the first? It makes no sense. And, and he's like, look, every drummer I work with, and he's worked with Eddie Bears, he's worked with all these different people, yeah. and uh, Lonnie Wilson, he's like, you come in and you play, and then you leave it up to the producer. There was no producer, but they were producing it themselves. Right. And I am, I'm the hired gun. I'm not in the band. Mm-hmm. But I've been with the band, for, you know, I feel like, I was like, but this is my name on the credits. You know, I want it to be the best it can be to represent me at, its, at the finest. Right. But it's not about you. <laughs> it is. Right, right, Isn't that right. Isn't crazy? And I, and I had a hard time letting that go. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously, I'm very <clears throat> proud of the the six Aldine records, and you can hear a growth in not only the musicianship, but are you know creating a sound or a brand along the way. And we're about to start our seventh record, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it, it, the stuff sounds unique. I mean, it's like everything is cut so uh, digitally and in the same fashion in Nashville. So to have something that was. Um, you know, everybody tracking at the same floor on the same time on the floor in an old studio with a lot of vintage microphones through radar. It just sounds different, you know, yeah, it just sounds yeah. great. So I'm, I'm proud of that stuff. But a lot of the hired gun stuff, you don't have a lot of control over, you know, and sometimes yeah, you just have yeah. to go, I played drums. I did the best I could possibly do for this given person. Yeah. They cut me a check. What's next? Yeah. You know, but uh, I mean, how do you deal with, have you ever gotten back a recording like Nothing's even lined up. This makes me sound. I, it's like when I listen to the playback after that one take, everything was like it felt great. It was this, but they're using maybe a different take, a different bass line for the mm-hmm. drums, and it's like what? It's yeah. like this doesn't. How do I let this out? How do people know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like for a lot of players out there that. It's like you have a large body of work that stands on its own mm-hmm. so that if something slips through and it's like, well, this is a demo that Rich Redmond played on. Um, and, you know, well, it's like, yeah, but uh, OK, but man, he has all these other recordings and I've seen him live. It's like that eh, doesn't sound like him. That, mm-hmm. th- there's must be something. I Too mean, Frankenstein. Yeah. Sometimes you can over Frankenstein's things. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. But, yeah, but still, unless that's why producing is great. And you know how you become a producer? You just start producing. You know how to become an actor? You just start acting. You know how to become an author? You write a freaking book. I mean, it's like you just, uh, there's a million reasons to not do something. And you just, there's, there's, just do it. You just do it. And then it, it, yeah. it, the universe yeah. shifts. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then it makes it even easier yeah. for you um, 
to do other things. So it's like I've got a lot of other ideas for books. You know, I did the acting thing, and, and now I'm meeting more people. that are like, oh, yeah, I heard about that. You know, I want to help you get another role here in this thing or that thing. Yeah. Or, you know, once people start to hear, you know, you on tape, they go, oh, man, that sounds really good. And, hey, my friend said that he had a really good time working with you, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is huge. Right, Almost right, even, right. you know, more important than the final product is the process. Yeah. Do people enjoy the process with you? Yes. You yeah. know? Yeah. But um, it's all fun. Yeah. It's all great. Well, again, I, th- I think that's that's what I was trying to get at is, is uh, go, well, two or three questions ago is, is um, what is it that motivates you to like to want to have your, just all these plates spinning? Yeah. Um, even outside of drums. I mean, it, it's, there's music, but it's, it's funny when I heard about uh, you going out and doing this acting. Um, it just didn't surprise me at all. Yeah. That's and great. I'm, it's good to hear. You know, I think that if you have, um, you know, um, a lot of things going on at the same time, if one or two of them fall through the cracks, yeah, you still have all these other businesses that are running because you got to eat. You know what I yeah, mean? And yeah. they're they're things that I've I've branded that they're 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 creative processes, all related mm-hmm. to music and the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. So playing on the road. Super fun. Playing sessions, super fun. Producing, super fun. Writing books, writing articles, great. I can do that while I'm on the road. Like, it's just, it's just, I'm just, keep it all going. Yeah. You know, it's just all, all going. It's all drums, it's all music, it's all creativity. And, and, and they're all, uh, they're all fun and they all provide a, a portion of my income. Like I have my setup at my house. You know, some guys make a full-time living. Like, you know, my friend Tony Morrow was the first guy in Nashville to create a recording studio from his home. And he has a world-class recording studio with world-class gear. And he's converted his garage, the, the downtown battery. I don't know if you've ever been over there, mm, but no. Tony Morrow is this amazing drummer. And he gets a world-class Ocean Way style drum sound oh, from his awesome. house. And so he makes his entire, you know, 90% of his living is going down in his pajamas and a cup of coffee and cranking out tracks for people. Jeez. It's amazing. It's awesome. So, so I have that set up. I don't get sounds as good as Tony's, but I know that that uh, people are hiring me for my performance anyway. So yeah, right. I have Pro Tools 10. I have great microphones. The room is treated. I have a DW drum set all ready to go. Mm-hmm. People can send me files. Mm-hmm. And... I'm in that game as well. So so as I see music row shifting and condos being put up and recording studios are closing, it's going to be you're going to have to once again take the bull by the horn. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? This room that we're sitting in, you could treat the room, put your drums in here, mic everything up. You can have a little station so you can engineer yourself. And then before you know it, you're, you're playing music for people. Um, I mean, I've sent tracks to Newfoundland. Germany, South America, Japan. Yeah. It recorded in my 500 square foot studio. Yeah. You know, yeah. In my house. Right. So the games have changed because technology is there. Yes. So some people have the 100% or 90% of their income coming from that revenue stream. Steve Brewster plays in plays on nearly every Christian record here in Nashville. So if you go to Lifeway Christian Store, you're going to see Steve Brewster's name on the credits. And he has this, again, world-class facility with 30... Um, he has 30 foot ceilings in a room in his house Wow! and he gets world-class drum sounds and he work runs his business, makes all his money from his house. So I'm just in a position where I've created opportunities for myself where the, um, my touring gig is the basis for everything. And then from around that, 
I'm fortunate enough to know my schedule almost a year in advance, which is a real luxury because right, there's a lot right. of acts that are like, what are you sure. doing next month? I don't know. Right. I, I get a schedule and I go, wow, so this is my broad stroke. This is my palette. What else? How can I do? Oh, I'm going to be in this city on this Wednesday. Okay. I'm either going to do something during the day on that Wednesday or if there's somebody that wants to bring me in the night before, they only have to pay for a one-way ticket because I'm mm-hmm. going to meet the band on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So then the client says, well, why don't you do a motivational event on Tuesday night yeah. for our employees? And then they put me up at the Hampton Inn and then I meet the band the next day for the gig. And I'll do the same thing on the back end of the run where – you know, I've, I only have to get back to Nashville so I can stay on the oh, last city on a run for a client. And and it's just, I don't know. It's just Well, let's talk about your crash course for success. And I, th- yeah. I know you've covered that before. So maybe quickly talk about kind of what that's been. Yeah. And then I want to talk about how that has evolved. It's a Starbucks shaker, guys. It's coming next. I have a meeting with the uh, head of marketing. Um, there'll be a sugar-free version and a full-fat sugar version. Uh, you know, like a crash is like a mantra for living. Yeah. And I I developed it in like 2007 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it stands for commitment. It's an acronym. It stands for commitment, relationships, attitude, skill, and hunger. So commitment, relationship, attitude, skill, hunger, five things that anybody from any walk of life can use to be Did you ever think about, I'm going to make an acronym out of drum or tom or snare, crash, you're looking around. You have crash, crash. You know, I just, well, you know, I have a great friend of mine who is also another motivational speaker, and he's like, man, you just need an angle. He's like, you know, you're doing a lot of drum clinics, and drum clinics are great, but it's, it, it, it's kind of a format that, like, for 30 years would be drummer comes in in limo, sits behind drums, does 90-minute drum solo, takes a few questions, is out the back door. And I wanted to offer something that was educational, inspirational, yeah. and informative, and entertaining. So, you know, I always have some sort of a takeaway that kids can go, oh, this is the things that Rich taught me during his event and they can take that home with them yeah. or some sort of a poster they can hang on their practice wall. And then they could, and then, then I'm very methodical in the sense that the format of my events is I talk about commitment, how it is, how I, um, applied it in my life. And then I'll play a song that they've heard on the radio and they mm-hmm. see how that I've applied commitment. And then I talk about relationships in my life and how I've never, one of the themes is I've never gotten a job from an audition. I mean, Pam Tillis was the only job I ever got from an audition. And somebody actually kind of like wet the whistle before me. The drummer that was leaving was like, Pam, you can have your audition, but I think you should hire Rich. And so they, they listened to 30 drummers and I, st- I still got the gig because there's, a, you know, so the guy called ahead and said, this is probably the guy you're going to want. Mm-hmm. You know, then I talk about attitude yes. and I play a song. And so it's a talk play talk play format so no it's constantly moving it's high energy and no one gets bored hopefully and then even the parents or the cousins or brothers whoever takes the kid to the event can the get non-drummers out, the they non- can get something out of yes. it as well which has led to corporate work with like cisco you know they run the internet that's what i want to ask about okay so these are drum clinics but more than just drums that you're bringing to the table to kind of differentiate yeah. yourself from what other clinicians are doing yeah, but what this has evolved into uh, there's a corporate event what you just had a uh, what the Hershey Park Hershey Park so I talked to like 75 of their actors jugglers musicians that that, that work at the theme park and right. uh, you know a good friend of mine that plays drums with Chubby Checker and writes all the music for the part uh, the park brought me in and said can you talk to my uh, performers at Hershey Park and, and just inspire them to be 
the best that they can be. Mm-hmm. Because when you do the same show sometimes three times a day, five mm-hmm. days a week in the summer, right. you can start just kind of mailing it in. Right. You know, and I was like, don't, you can't do that because who, what if there's some sort of a talent scout or something that comes and they, and they see you and they see you mailing it in and you're, here you are, you know, Mr. Hershey is paying you good money to to perform. So it was really fun. That was a really fun, that was the last, one of the last things. And I have some other stuff coming up. I think my ninth event for Cisco is coming up and what's great about a company like Cisco is that it's a global company and Mm -hmm. you know, they're running 80% of the internet or, or, or a company like Johnson and Johnson, when you go to Walgreens, 90% of the products are created by Johnson and Johnson. So, you know, so they have employees around the world and, and they might be in marketing, they might be in sales, they might be in the tech side of things, but everybody can use somebody, an outside person to come in and re motivate. I was going to say, have you done something where there are, there's maybe no musicians in the audience or no drummers uh, in that situation. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Usually there's no drummers in the audience, but people love drums. Right. So you still have the kit there. I have the kit there and I'll come out and I'll do a drum solo. I'll get everybody clapping. I'll get the energy up in the room. Yeah. And then, then since I'm, I'm the guy that shows up and I'm not, you know, I don't have the headset mic and the khakis, you know, I, I don't look like a typical motivational speaker. They go, wow. Oh, and well, you know, and I'm like, you know, who's coming to the show tonight? I'm playing, you know, down the street at the Enormo Dome. And they're like, well, I'm going, you know, <laughs> and it, it's just a great icebreaker. It's a nice ice icebreaker that, that, and also when I do educational things for, for like, uh, McGavick High School. I had, had a thousand kids at McGavick High School, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Do you realize you're in your final year of school? You're a twelfth grader, and it's going to get really real here pretty soon because mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay for a car, gas, cell phone, health insurance, food, lodging, gas, entertainment. You got to get a job. You're not going to be able to. What are you going to do? Are you joining the military? Are you going to college? Do you are you going to work a job? What do you really want to do with your life? I mean, I start asking these questions and light bulbs are going off and they're like, my God, I don't know. Yeah. And I go, well, this is what I wanted to do. I decided like in 1983 when Synchronicity came out that I was going to be a professional drummer. And I just I picked people's brains and I created opportunities for myself and I worked hard and I put in those 12,000 hours and I it was come hell or high water. I was going to make this happen. Yeah. And so I just kind of try to share that message with them and they go, you know, if two out of the thousand kids get it, it clicks, then it, it was worth my time. You know? Right. But also you're talking to people, uh, grownups in different corporate events, high achieving people. Yeah. And the, yeah. the thing there is when I talk to high achieving leaders, people that are driving the Bentleys that have jets and I go, why don't, you know, why would I want to listen to a drummer? That drives a Honda Element because <laughs> I'm because I tell them the the commonalities between my business, which is the music business, is laughably difficult to it to become high achieving in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I, they see the commonalities of the commitment and the relationships and and the attitude and and the the parallels between those two things and, and it's just a different way of looking at it so it helps them say oh my god I'm gonna take that yeah. like I have a there's a high level guy a friend he's a friend now that works at at Cisco he's a leader and I talk to him about the commitment of counting off a oh, song yeah yeah that commitment as soon as you click those sticks together one and 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 I'm shot I said look at there's sixty thousand people they have paid their hard earned money the band. They can't hear me over the din of the crowd. I'm like, one, two, no, commitment. Show me 
five, down. And I have them come up and somebody from the audience, I said, sit down here. This is where the king sits. This is where the drummer, the most important person. In the you band. bring somebody from the audience yeah, to they, sit them. They, yeah. don't, they don't know how to play the drums. Yeah. And the, and A lot of them probably haven't been on stage, like, wow. A stage. And no, ever. And yeah. they've got this beautiful set of drums. And, they, and so I get them. The, and so they see yeah. really that I am a businessman. I am an entrepreneur. I am a hard worker. I have a work ethic. I had a plan mm-hmm. and then I, I followed through and I executed it. And, and I am in sales mm-hmm. because so it's just so easy to talk to salespeople because I'm in, I'm in sales. I'm a rhythm salesman, you know? So there's so many commonalities be, like between, you know, music and business. Yeah. You know, and yeah. education or metaphysics, you know, my wife is in metaphysics, you know, and maybe in someday we'll do like little retreats, like, yeah. you know, music and metaphysics weekend, because she's re- talked talk to people about tapping into their, their inner intuition, uh-huh. which is all of us have a gift of intuition. When someone says, hey, follow your gut or trust your gut, you get that feeling like, yeah. I don't know if I want to work with this person. That's intuition. That's like, that's like metaphysical stuff that you can go and spend a lot of money like having someone teach you but that's really stuff that's what i've learned that stuff from like hanging out with my wife um can i ask you that though can i can can we get kind of go down a a a little bit of a personal path one of the things that we've talked about from time to time is balancing personal life balance balancing work and family what's that balance (laughs) i know it's hard (laughs) i did try hot yoga that is tough it's good it's good for you though (laughs) I'm not going to see my wife for a month. How do you do it, man? Dude, really hard. It's really hard. Um, Does she travel too? FaceTime. FaceTime. Yeah. Um, she travels, yeah. So so if she's not in Nashville, she's in New York, New York, or she's in L.A., or she's going to Singapore, or she's going to Bali, or wow. – Europe she you know so and it's you know it's she comes back with like souvenirs for me or like she goes to Holland and I come back with some cool like you know wooden slippers or something you know yeah it's just fun and you and she's know she's like what did you get me oh um, uh, just I've got you uh, I said well I said when here's you go to some Singapore, swag honey when you go to Singapore get me a <laughs> gong I want a, one of those little gongs like you know <laughs> it I mean you it's it is not a this, normal the little ball the little gong sound <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> it's not a normal marriage. I mean, it's not like like cosmopolitan or or like you know like Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, it's where there's a high level commitment, yeah, and uh, to each other. But it's just you know you have to get used to uh, being trusting someone and loving someone, and they're not physically there all the time. Yeah. How did you guys meet? You seem like you're from because that's so funny. Here's the thing. Here's the image I have in my mind. Um, again, four years ago, I'm walking into my Starbucks, which is your Starbucks. I look down. I see like this blur. It's you tapping on the on the on the table to whatever's being played on the and your wife's sitting there with just like a cup of tea, just calmly just sitting there. And it's like she's zen and I'm insane. <laughs> it's the yin and yang. Yeah. How'd you guys meet? Um, I met Cindy at uh, Quad Recording Studios. I was her session drummer because she was a circuit singer on the East Coast for like seven years. She had, she was in like a circuit band, like a funk band. Oh, cool. So my wife, my wife is like white soul all the way. Great, mm-hmm. really great singer. And, and so I was her session drummer. Sparks flew. This was like 2007. And then she moved, no, 2005. Oh my God, I met her in 2005. And then she moved to Nashville in 2007 and we sparked up a romance and we got married in 2009. Wow. And, um, and since then she has been a A plus 
science student. She has been a celebrity hairdresser. And she has now become a full-time psychic medium that tours the world. Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, she's a renaissance woman. Oh, and she paints. She does... She does um, spirit art. So like she'll basically just – she has no artistic training. She will just have a blank canvas and 30 minutes later, there will be this amazing acrylic expressionistic thing that you can see like thousands of faces in. Faces. Wow. But you pull it – but you have to look back and like, oh, yeah, there's a face. There's a face. There's a face. Neat. And then it also works upside down. You could turn it upside down and you could still see. It's bizarre. This is a girl who had she couldn't trace like you know like in the back of the TV guy they're like trace this turtle <laughs> like she couldn't do it and now she, she's like yeah it's crazy that's awesome I feel like a real simpleton around her <laughs> she brings you down oh shit makes it um yeah balance is hard there is there's like not a whole lot of balance in our lives um I, I think it's just a you know it's a that's a tough thing. You know, it's it's hard to achieve high, high-level things if you're always balancing. You know what I mean? If you're – it's just really hard. Like like Gary Vanderchuk, you ever heard of that guy? He's like – he had wrote a book called Crush It, and he crushes it. He's like a very ach- high-achieving guy, but th- there's no balance in his life. I mean, he's just always working. Yeah. But, but I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, does he just – not have does he not have a family does he not i don't think he has a family yeah no i i'm doing good holding on to a sexy wife i mean i'm doing i'm doing good yeah yeah it's pretty good i don't know how you guys do it with the kids yeah that is man but at the same time you will have someone to um dress your wounds in in the hospital and change your colostomy bag and I will be by myself, probably, in East Nashville, whittling soap. You never know. If, like, you know, if I accidentally shard myself when I'm hanging out, uh, you know, <laughs> then... I've got to change my own colostomy bag. But, no, kids are... Ama- I mean, I, the thing with me is, is I get to affect a lot of kids in a positive way by being a teacher, but then... You do. You're around... You, but then I don't have to... Your drum tech is a kid. My drum tech is, could be my son. John is turning 24 today. He looks 19. So I, I treat him. It's really funny. Like um, I, have, I have a life coach. And so I go to my life coach and she, she says, you know, what's really important in your life is that you like, to be, um, you like to be a fixer and you like to be a nurturer. You like to help people. Yeah. So that's what I do with John. I kind of treat him like a son. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a bad decision or don't do this. Or, you know, I, I give him advice because he's the only guy around at that age yeah. in that role that I can right, right. give advice to like yeah. that, you know. Yeah, it's hilarious. Well, and it's funny. I think you you fulfill that role as like as as a nurturer, maybe to other people. And and there are people that don't have kids that that that's that that satisfies. I've always wanted kids ever yeah. since I was I, I was I was a, when I was a kid. You know, it's yeah. like so. That's kind of that's what made Nashville an obvious choice. I met my wife in in Ohio when we moved down here, and it's just like. It's that balancing that again. You can have dirt here, man. You can't buy dirt. In, it's 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 that you can't buy dirt in New York. No, have a domestic life and music at the same time. Yeah, no, it's you're, very it's very hard, but it can be done. You're do, totally doing it. Ten years in a touring band, and what the people aren't seeing is that next door there's a room filled with ten thousand pounds of Legos for <laughs> your kids. Right. It's amazing. That's my retirement right there <laughs> because I'm going to sell those. <laughs> You have a reputation for high energy, very high uh, level of motivation. Um, 
has there ever been a time when you've had self-doubt in your professional life? Mm. I think in personal life, we've all struggled with that. Maybe failed relationships or different things that have happened to us or things that we struggle with, with friends and family and, and other issues like that. Yeah. But um, we see this persona and this, this thing that you carry, that you have a, a reputation for, and, um, and, it, and it, it inspires so many people. And um, nice. so uh, I'm, it's, what I'm wondering is, has there, has there ever been a time you're like, oh, man, this is... The late 90s, like when you and I moved to, to town, like I moved to here in 97. Yeah. And like I said, I moved here, gave my band two weeks notice, and I moved here with no money saved. Like I was just so full of piss and vinegar. I just was like, here I am, Nashville. I know you've been waiting for me. I'm, you know. I mean, and it's just like in Nashville, man, they don't care what kind of track record you come with. You've got to pay your dues and serve time in the in the trenches. Mm-hmm. And some people's trenches are longer than others. They call it a five-year town. Like five years of hitting hitting the trenches and working hard before you can create enough of relationships where you can make living full-time. It's kind of about mm-hmm. that. It might be – Maybe it's seven. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's getting dip more. It may difficult. vary, but just as as the town is changing, you know. I, yeah. But I do know that there is a lot of kids that are moving to town. They say, "No, I'm not going to do lower Broadway. I'm going to focus on this, this, and this." And they get a gig right away, and they're like, "They're." I'm like, "Wow, what? Why wasn't it like that for me?" Like in my the first three years in town were difficult because here I am. I had my master's degree. I had a lot of experience. I had a positive attitude about things. And here I'm like, God, I'm working a day job. How come I can't make music full time? When am I going to get one of these high level marquee gigs? And for me, it was just like, well, you just got to be patient. You got to be patient. So when, when, when you're playing into the clubs till three in the morning and you get home at four and then you got to go grab your briefcase and go teach kids at seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. That was very, very draining and like Mm -hmm. seeing that light at the end of the tunnel. But those three years, 97, 98, 99, I played every club in Nashville. I did endless showcases. I did free demos. I did auditions in people's basements. Mm -hmm. I would go in the van and trailer gigs and, you know, do five sets a night and stay in the band houses. I took everything, private, you know, uh, wedding gigs, uh, corporate gigs until you start you know, meeting people. And this was all pre-social media. I think social media, if you're doing the right thing in your life and, and it helps you connect the dots on a daily basis, people are seeing your avatar. They're seeing like, oh yeah, I remember meeting that guy. Right, right, right. right. And, and, and what is he doing today? Like, yeah. like the whole concept that work begets work. It's very easy to let people see that you're constantly in. in so, are you saying that social media is, is becoming a good way? I, I think mean, it's, it's a game changer. Well, it is a game changer for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, back in the day, it, there was a time when you had to be seen or you just didn't exist. Which is a great philosophy because if you're new, if you're new to Nashville or Los Angeles or New York, you can't just to, rely on social media. You've got itself. to physically get out and shake hands and go to those jam sessions and go to yes. those open mics. And and in Nashville, the songwriter rules the town. As far as the the pyramid in Nashville, mm-hmm. the songwriters are creating the intellectual property of that all that stuff you hear on the radio and then us the producer is even under that. He's using that songwriter's song to create yeah, a product yeah. and then there's the studio musicians and there's road musicians and there Yeah. And it is a great time though in Nashville I feel because uh I think starting as like as almost 10 years ago 
Jason Aldean, Brad Paisley, all these different people were using their road bands on recordings. So the, like when I moved, we moved here in 97, I was like, you're a studio musician or you're a road There's no way you can do both because right. if you're traveling on the road, you couldn't keep those accounts. And the music business was so healthy that Eddie Bears and Paul Limes and, and these guys were doing triple sessions. They were doing 10 to 1, 2 to 5, 6 to 9, you know, every single day. Yeah. And that, and that is a grind. I, I don't know how they did it. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how they did that five days a week, three sessions a day, mm-hmm. because it literally gives you almost no time to do things like go to the bank, eat a lunch. Oh, I know. I do anything. I, yeah. And if you're going to get a workout in or see your kids or whatever, you got to do it at like five thirty in the morning because you're getting drum sounds at nine fifteen in the morning. Yeah. And then you have to go to your next session, which might be at a different studio, and say their first session goes to one fifteen. And you're munching on a power bar, and you got to get to the other thing and right. get drum sounds at two forty, at one forty-five. Oh, yeah, to bring up Tommy again that day when when I was hanging out with him, I said, "Man, what about when you have to go from some from session to session?" He said, "You know, I always pack a lunch. Pack a lunch, yeah. And and sometimes I don't have to use it. I don't have to dip into it. I can you know go out and we can hang out or do this or whatever. But I always have it with me just in case. Yeah, there's nothing worse than being like just starving. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah." yeah. A lot more options now in Nashville, though. We got vegan restaurants and sushi and juice bars. It was, and uh, there was what? There was just Calypso Cafe. And Calypso was... Cafe, to you people that are going to move to Nashville, is a life-changing place <laughs> because it's healthy food on the cheap. It is. Yeah, it's it's won numerous awards. It's it's so good. Yeah, that's yeah, true, you get, yeah, you get jerk chicken and some black beans and a green. Oh man, some jalapenos and it's like under ten bucks. Or... You're rocking. Uh, <laughs> We have this whole new genre of drummers, this whole new avenue. We had gigging drummers. We had teachers. We had um, those you'd read about uh, writing, writing articles, uh, doing um, clinic, clinic tours. Now we have everybody. We have teachers teaching Skype lessons. Mm-hmm. We have people, uh, GoPro, which I'm doing as well. Yep. Um, so I have some visual, you know, people can see me and hear me play. You got to have a YouTube channel. Yeah. If you don't exist, if you don't have a YouTube channel, it's like, right. So it's, it, how has, what's the, what's been the good thing about that in your opinion? And what's been the bad thing about that? Well, the, the weird thing is, I didn't say that. I say weird. I say good. No, it's kidding. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) The weird thing is like guys like that, that have never played in a band and they'll have a YouTube channel and they're, they're demonstrating like paradiddles with their feet or whatever. And there's like millions of viewers, mm-hmm. but they never played in a band. It's very, that's odd to me. And we've talked about that as well. Ed Toth was like, look, I've never, no, he's a little bit, just a little bit older. And he's been playing with the Doobie brothers for the last that, yeah. 10 years. Such Vertical a Horizon. great player, Vertical Horizon, such a great experienced player. And, and he, I think that, Here's the question I kind of have that I'm trying to pose that I'm posing to different people is there was no other options. When we were growing up, you played with people to get heard. And he's like, this is how I've always gotten a gig is by working with other musicians and interacting with live musicians. And that is a skill. And I agree with him. That is a skill. But 
is this a new thing that just cannot be denied? It is weird. It is weird for me to see. And I, sometimes I go down that rabbit hole and I watch and I see people do things. And I'm like, wow, that's really cool. It's like, and then I, I can sit there and I can think, yeah, but does he know how to count off a song super strong? Does he know how to interact? Does he know how to play with a bass player that doesn't have good time? You know, does he, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Those are skills you learn on the job. Right. But it's, YouTube is a good showcase for your talent. So if somebody is looking for a drummer, you at least want to be represented because people are actually finding musicians from YouTube or um, it, I mean, there's just, I don't think there's anything bad about it because like, say, let's say, you know, I get questions from people all about how do I get an endorsement? Well, you get endorsement by having a broad exposure level, whether it be TV, a mm-hmm. lot of touring dates, mm-hmm. bigger audiences, a strong brand name for your band or the artist you're playing with. But those people that are making those decisions at those companies are going to want to see you play. And I just say, great, I got 225 videos on my YouTube channel. Go check it out. Or I'll send them my favorite latest link in an yeah. email. Yeah. And it just levels the playing field. Like what if, yeah. uh, what if a, um, a, a film producer wants to hire me to be an acting drummer? I'm going to send them right to my YouTube channel. Yeah. So I'm glad that I, I mean, I've been through like, I don't know, four points of, uh, of, of, um, technology with cameras. Like I had the flip, I had, you know, had all that stuff. Right. You know, right. And, and now you can do so much with just an iPhone and even just the compression on a GoPro sounds amazing. It's it does. Swack. It does sound good. It's like, I don't remember the song feeling as good as, as it sounds right now. Yeah. I mean, well, there's nothing that can level a playing field more than somebody watching and hearing you what you sound like five feet from a drum set right right you know exactly so i I think it's a good tool yeah the kids that are relying on it exclusively i think they need to get out and play music with living breathing human beings yeah i mean there's i worked for a friend a friend of mine has a, a popular rock band and they hired their drummer because the drummer had a million hits Wow. And he shot in high definition and the audio quality was insane and they're like wow you're hired Wow. You know. Okay. So one of the things, one of the things that I'm trying to uh, include on, uh, I just, I just have a couple uh, videos on, on my YouTube channel, but they're always, it's always live stuff. It's me playing with a band. Yep. You know, so um, I know that not everybody has that situation, um, you know, or maybe they're a young player or maybe that they're just not interested in. I mean, when I worked retail, one of our best, a lot of our best customers were, I guess, for lack of a better term, hobbyists, you know, uh, people with real, just regular day jobs. Oh, yeah. That spent insane amount of money on beautiful drum sets. They, you know, they weren't given kits for, but especially in Ohio, the non, a non-music town like Columbus, um, it wasn't pro players. And even in Nashville, it's not pro players that are spending money at, at Forks Drum Closet, you know, because they've, you've got endorsements, you've got, you know, you've got gear being provided to you it's but a, you it's have a wicked wicked uh, expensive hobby I mean, it is it is yeah. and there are numerous examples whether it's boats or or anything yeah or, yeah or um you know hummel figurines it can all be very expensive yeah but these and, and some of the players would come in and they'd be messing around on kits i'm like man that's a wow what a killer groove that's really great who do you play with man i'm not i don't i don't go i don't i don't, I don't like i don't drink i don't go to clubs i don't really play uh 
you know, I just, I don't have time. My work is really busy, but they were great. They were great players, but they would stay in their basement and like, Che, check out my room. And I've got this video and I've got these posters of all these. And it's just, yeah. Isn't that amazing that the only difference between them and us is that we've declared ourselves professional musicians and that is our calling. And we make that it's where you put your focus. Like our focus is on that, connecting with other musicians, playing mm-hmm. live, and being able to make our living exclusively from music. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people that want to do that, that have these cushy day jobs, and they just – it's really a willingness to go all in. So do you have advice for maybe – I mean I know you talked to a lot of young people and you're talking to – uh, older professionals and relating this uh, commitment and everything that you're talking about to their job and say, showing the connection, this, the, the parallels between yeah. what you do and what they do and how they can do what they do better. But what about that person uh, that is, you know, maybe in their 30s and 40s and they're trying to like take their music to the next level or quit their day job and get into this you know do you have any advice for that what what, because we live in in the music business um it's 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 very visual and things have changed so much and so a lot of times people are like yeah this guy sounds good what does he look like or what does what do they look like or you know it's uh, just uh, it's just a sad fact that that's part of it you know so oh yeah he's a good he's a good looking guy but man he he looks he's older isn't he I know it's crazy and so what like what kind of a gig would a you know a guy that's 62 that is is in great shape is still probably not going to get the call to be with a Nickelodeon Disney act it's just not gonna happen yeah so that those are complete ends of the spectrum and he probably has no interest in that but what about a band that he would be interested in and 62, that you mean you're going... I think 62s and 42s c- could get along. Yeah. But, see, at the same time, it's just, you know, there's also, there's a generational thing there. Yeah. And, and the, the, since there's not a lot of auditions happening, per se, in Nashville, it's all relationship-based. Yeah, yeah. So, truly, the best way to, be, to make yourself um, available for a, a lot of work is to be friends with a lot of people. And have a lot of people like what you do. Yeah. Because let's say a, a bass player gets into a position of authority where his job is to hire the band. Right. He's going to think about his favorite three drummers. Right, right. And you're like, well, this guy's, I love him. He's working with such and such. I really love him too. Mm-hmm. He's working mm-hmm. with such and such. What about such and such? Oh, he's free. He's funny. I like him. Yeah. He's easy to work with. Bam. You get the call. Somebody told me when I first moved to town. Oh, it was joy. We're uh, yeah, we're we have to mention George Lawrence on every podcast. George Lawrence, as I gave George Lawrence my cassette demo in 1997, he said, "Come into the back room at Forks," and he said, "Come play some beats for me." I played my tr- train beat. I played like a soca. I played like some swing stuff. And he goes, "Yeah, man, I'll 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 uh, I'll, I'll yeah I'll see if there's some work that comes my way." Boom. Yeah. You know, but he knew that I went to school with Keith Garlock and I went yeah. to North Texas. And so he goes, well, you could probably handle most of the things that this town has to offer. It's just a matter of literally just spending the time in the trenches. And it was the same with Eddie Bears and Lonnie Wilson. They both got cassette demos from me and they were very sweet to me. And they said, you sound great. Welcome to Nashville. Good luck. Get involved. Like, in, in other words, they were saying, like, you're ready 
there's no easy way to do this. You just have to start getting involved in the community of Nashville because mm-hmm. we are such a community yeah, here. That's true. And we and and the only way to do it is to start taking the job and play with that chick singer at the coffee shop on the djembe and then go do that free showcase and knock out that free demo and yeah. go sit in and go do it. Just takes time. That was one of the but one of the things that that uh, George said to me and he goes he goes. You want a road gig? You want a you want a gig? Um, what kind of jokes do you know? Are you funny? <laughs> do you know any good jokes? <laughs> I yeah. was like, what? Yeah, it's he the goes, hang, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about the hang. Um, I'm the butt of a lot of jokes, and you just have to be able to take it. It's totally cool, man. I, I get it. I get it. Um, if somebody said, I think you've already told us where you'd be in like 10 or 20 years. You said you'd be by yourself looking for someone. <laughs> whittling soap. You're whittling soap. <laughs> um, two things. Um, if you weren't doing drums... This seems silly. Uh, now that we've had this conversation, I was gonna. I, one of the questions I kind of was thinking. It's like, man, you just you're so into it. If if you weren't doing drums, what would you do? And I I can I can already guess what you're gonna say. I mean, there's so many other things that you've got your hands in. God, I don't think I could. I don't think I could ever give up the drums because it really is like when like if people see me play, they go, "You really love your job, don't yeah, you?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, because I just wear it like a badge of honor. I wear it my heart on my sleeve. Yeah, and um. I mean, people that don't know anything about music can say, tell, I love what I do. So I don't think I could ever give it up. But yeah, it would definitely, I would definitely be working in Hollywood or... Uh, well, you have listed Nashville, Los Angeles on yeah. your website. And the reason I did that is because yeah. even though I don't live full-time in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. it creates... I've created a situation with the universe that by putting down that I am a part-time resident of Los Angeles... Um, I cultivate really. I cultivate opportunities just by writing down. That's it. And I left a car. I leave a car out there, so there's actually a physical piece of me in that city. Wow! And that just changes. It shifts the the whole universe. Wow! You know, it's like clips of hair you stick in. Yeah, yeah, just like little genetic. Just um, just in DNA. Your DNA is there. It is there. Your wife is on a couch. Endorsements are a mutually beneficial relationship. It's like the shark and that little thing that cleans the shark's back. You know what I mean? And, and they go hand in hand. And it's basically, it's a, it becomes a friendship, but it is a ultimately a business relationship in the sense that I believe in a certain product. I want to play the certain product. It makes me happy. And then the company provides that product to me because through recordings and touring and television those are your three avenues of exposure for that company mm-hmm. you're providing um basically advertising for that company so right. so when you're on the big stage and the camera is on you and the lights are on you and they see Sabian and they see Remo and they see DW and sticks are a little bit harder mm-hmm. so that's why you can use social media as a, as you know your your responsibility as an an endorser is is to use social media to let people know yeah these are my 5B sticks you know what i mean i love mm-hmm. them and i wrap them you know and i love them because of this and here i am twirling my 5B sticks or mm-hmm. you know and just letting the world know that you use these products and why but 
but uh, so and there's different levels of endorsements like I I got my first I think my first thing was with Regal thank you Carol Colado I got a Regal tip endorsement in like 1995 I was playing at North Texas State and I was playing around Dallas Texas and um at this, she was, I think at the time, was seeing Steve Edelson, God rest his soul, but he was with Remo. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to cultivate a relationship with Remo and Regal Tip Sticks. And this was before I was playing in a touring band or anything. I was still a student. But I, I, what I did was I let them know. I gave them a, a calendar of the year, a month-by-month calendar, and I wrote all the gigs that I had played. And they were seeing that I was between churches and pickup gigs and big bands and and um, school gigs um, and um, all the bigs, all, all the gigs all over Dallas, Texas, like. All the gigs I, I would sub for, you know, Keith Carlock with Dallas Brass and Electric, and I would play in Bill Tillman, who played in Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and there was a band called Random Access. I was working all the time. They're like, "Wow, well, yeah, here's a here's a you know a cost deal," and then then I was able to over the next. 25 years as my career grew I kept letting people know still loving your product this is what I'm using these mm-hmm. are, knowledge is power and so once a month at least once a month oh, really? everybody gets an email from me saying these are the educational events I have going on this is what I'm doing with Jason Aldean these are the television shows that I'm on these mm-hmm. are new records that I have mm-hmm. and and so they know that their 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 money is being spent wisely so still you're sending out I mean the, the, you're in contact with every month Every month. Every month. Yeah. Wow. And I have my there. I have cell phones. I'd be like, look at, hey, you want to come to the show tonight? Or that, you know, it yeah. becomes pers- about personal relationships. And sometimes the you have the personal relationship first, and you say, hey, um, you know, I really like these uh, Promark Five Bs. Is there any way I can become an artist? And you're like, yeah, send me your stuff. And there you go. You gotta send me your stuff. What's your stuff? You gotta have a one sheet. People are like, what's a one sheet? It's a PDF. It, it just opens up and it just basically, there's a picture of you, your, all your accomplishments. It opens up on any device. Yeah. Do you have a website? Do you have a YouTube channel? Make it easy for yeah. that person to find you on the interweb and get a sense of this is what this person has done and is doing and would they be a smart investment of our advertising budget because yeah. these companies only have so much money. There's only so many things that they could give away. It's not just like free gear. They're giving you the gear because they want that massive exposure. Yeah. So, you know, if you're playing in a circuit band on every Friday and Saturday night, it might not be enough to garner a endorsement. They want to see five nights a week and or somebody that has a single on the radio or somebody that's playing the college NACA circuit and and, mm-hmm. and, and there's mm-hmm. they're playing to 2,000 people a night yeah. or they have a music video out or something that, mm-hmm. that, that can start the conversation. Sure. You know? Sure. So until you get to that point, it's not really a, a, better, a, a good use of your time to chase that. I would just spend the time practicing. And then when you get that gig, you right. can go, all right, now I can get some sticks, heads, cymbals, and drums. Right, right, you right. Know? And, and the best thing about an endorsement is there's a lot of boutique companies out there, and those are amazing companies. And I might play somebody's boutique snare drum in a recording studio. But you, for serious touring drummers, you have to be aligned with a major brand because you have to be able to get parts and get drum sets anywhere on the planet. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to limit you to five to seven major brands. Yeah, yeah. I know even uh, listening to a podcast with Steve Smith on I'd Hit That, uh, he talks about um, endorsing Sonar. That was a challenge, yeah. And doing gigs in China. Who has Sonar drums, but maybe not at the level yeah. that he wants, but he has to carry a whole stack of heads and 
So he switches out the heads yeah. for this student line sonar kit, but he's going to play sonar. Yeah, and even like, like wow. a big city like Los Angeles, <clears throat> if Steve Smith, Danny Carrier, Jack DeJanet needed a sonar drum set, I wasn't getting one. You know what I mean? Because there's only so many sonar drum right, sets. So right. I'm doing a television show, and those dudes wanted the drums. I wasn't. So like a company like DW, you're going to find DW drums in Madagascar and in yeah. in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. They're everywhere. Yeah. Not only are they making a, a quality, an amazing quality product, and it's American make company. Yeah. So many, there's all the right reasons to play the instrument. They're everywhere. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everywhere you want to be. Um, so who are your endorsements? I mean, I know you've mentioned them, but just... DW kind of Drums um, since 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I signed with DW Drums and did the 50th anniversary, I think, of the Percussive Art Society, like the week later. And I, was, and I was like, man, these people aren't messing around. They paid for my flight. A limo picked me up from the airport. They helped me set up my drums at the event, all with a smile on, my fa- on their face, and I got paid to do it. It was like... Wow, I am in the right spot. They, they, it's just you, they totally reinvented the wheel. Those drums, the finish, the quality, yeah, yeah, the the aesthetics, the way they sound, the consistency, unbelievable. Sabian since uh, two thousand and four, okay, and uh, Promark. It's God, how many years has it been? Maybe five year, five or six years. I need to find that out. And then Remo is is the cat daddy man. I've been there since nineteen ninety. Oh, wow. Long okay. time with Remo. So when you were in Texas. You when I was in Texas, there. as I'm getting my master's, going to the University of North Texas and just playing around Texas, they believed in me and, and were, they offered me a discount and then it became an allocation. You How did you just, make that connection with that? That was really? through Carol Collado. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So it. once again, through a, a personal relationship. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know. Wow. Hey, and she's uh, retweeted some of our podcasts. That's she's awesome. Hey, Carol. Yeah, <laughs> and now I'm at Promark, and of course, you know Marco Scola. Yay, Marco Grappa man, you know. Yeah. Um, what's the rest of your year look like, man? What's going on with you? Um, you know, usually the way we tour with Aldine, we do the last five years have been very fortunate. We do eighty shows because he has a like a Live Nation deal, so it's we kind of know the whole year. It gets mapped out. Um, so the first usually six months of the year, we play. We play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we'll make a week, take a week off, take two weeks off, and then July hits, and from July to November first, there's no, no, nothing, no Thursday, Friday, Saturdays off. We are working all of my Saturday nights until like, like the before Christmas are accounted. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you got, and in your home. Then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that's my the, where the Tetris of my life comes together. It's okay, like, excuse me, it's like a, what I call an evil game of Tetris, and it's kind of like. First come, first serve with where I what I do with my Sunday through Wednesday. So I know I have to write a certain number of songs for my publishing deal. So like I have to write songs. Somebody might book a motivational or corporate event. So I squeeze that in. Mm-hmm. New Voice Entertainment might be working like we're working on the second Parmalee record right now. So we're like eight tracks into the new Parmalee record. So we'll probably cut 15 to 18 songs and and whittle that down for their second release, and then um, there's the time that I that, that I like to spend in Los Angeles. Like I'm um, teaching at uh, Thomas Lang's uh, Big Drum Bonanza coming okay. up, so it's gonna be yeah. me. I'm so happy to be on the list. Me, Matt Garska, Greg Bissonette, like uh, all wow. these that's awesome. Great. Yeah, like okay, I'll be the I'll represent Nashville. So that's gonna be fun. And um, what else? Do, what else am I doing around that? So it's kind of like there is some planning. Like if New Voice gets something. And I have to 
call a you know a clinic that I have booked and say, hey, let's reschedule this because I the only time this band that's touring full time can get into the studio is this day. I was going to say, does something all of a sudden take precedence when you know do other things have to get? Yeah, but I know some things are more flexible. Obviously, but- if Jason calls or New Voice calls, I mean, those are my two first companies. Like I kind of like you have to work around that. Yeah, and then I just fill in around that, and I just. Yeah. Um, I just try to stay busy, you know, yeah. and then all these things uh, are... You have a date with your wife, November 12th. November, yeah, yeah. November 14th, she gets back in town, and that's that's when we start the seventh um, Aldine record. Oh. So. I was close, wasn't I? Yeah, I, was just, I was just throwing November, that number November out there. November 14th. Wow, good for you. It's all good, man. You know, it's all good. Yeah. And I think that anybody anybody that wants to do this can, can play drums every day. You know, it's just going to yeah. come through... Having a you, having a confident skill set, you know, you know what what are the skill sets? Well, can you read music? Can you can you do you know the Nashville number system? Do you have good gear? Do you play with good tone, good time? Like having all that stuff covered, mm-hmm. and then having some sort of an idea about the basics of business, like returning phone calls and emails yeah. in a timely manner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then making those human connections because it's other human beings that are going to hire you to play the drums. So if you want to have a fighting chance at playing five days a week, you know, it's going to come yeah. from other people hiring you because we're drummers. I mean, it's, you know, unless we're right. composing yeah. our own music, which is totally what, what makes me angry is when people are like, man, I just can't, I, I can't get any work. I don't know. There's so much work to be had. You just have to hustle it, mm-hmm. you know, and be open to like, you know, um, what if, kind of work is to be had? Like the, the live that? work, the yeah. studio work, or playing drums from your house, or teaching lessons in person, or pe- teaching lessons via Skype. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many ways to generate an income playing your instrument. Yeah, know? yeah. And yeah. you, I mean, there's, there's cruise ships, there's Vegas, there's um, off-Broadway touring, you know, mm-hmm. groups. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I have a, a percussion duo with my buddy Billy... Um, uh, my buddy Billy, we he plays for Colby Calais, Billy Billy Hahn, and we call ourselves Strike That. And literally, we could pull up on this table and go, "Okay, what?" Oh, man. You know, <laughs> let me see this pen. I've come out on the stage before, just you know, you just find stuff, and we just immediately start making music yeah we don't put any rules on it it's just pure improvisation of course some of the rules of music apply there has to be some sort of a theme there has to be a a variation Mm -hmm. dynamics and then we shift we'll modulate into different tempos and we will do it completely usually pretty seamlessly because we're inside each other's heads Mm -hmm. if billy and i wanted to go do that full time i would go get an agent we would get a shot we would have a, a couple of songs and we could go and be, you know how like on every town square, there's like that little, there's like a town square and there's like a little theater yeah and they booked their or little gazebo or theater yeah, for, sure. for the, for the year. Mm-hmm. We've got, the, we got a dancing, we got a Celtic dancing group coming in. We've got this little weird dude guy percussion group coming in. We've got this comedian and we're doing hair, the musical, like we could do that with monkeys and it's, it, but it's just hustle. You got to have the photo. You got to have the demo. You got to have an act and yeah. you have to want to be able to get on the phone and sell the act. Yeah. So it it can't all be about music all the time because you got to do the business, man. Right, the the right. business of like booking, right, the thing, which is gets exhausting. And some people aren't willing to do that part of it. It is, but do you have a team behind you that helps you do Finally, your thing? Finally, yeah, I had a, I had a wonderful kid for four years, a kid named Josh Mile, and he lives out in the Palm Desert. Awesome kid. He's going to do amazing things with his life. He's an awesome drummer, and we just 
uh, I'm going to say parted ways because I don't know this guy forever, but he, I think he wanted to do some bigger things. I think he wants to do like event planning, like corporate event planning and like uh, giant weddings and mm-hmm. celebrity weddings and stuff. And, and, and all I do is since I'm so busy is that my, the, the people that I have helping me, they, they fill out the paperwork for the clinics because there's eight companies that have to be filled out. And then they, they work with the client a month out, two weeks out, a week out, the day before, mm-hmm. follow up, and then they have to send invoices. And then and it's just like a booking agent. I pay a percentage for doing those things because yeah. that's the kind of stuff that's just like, oh, my God, I know I can do it. I could probably do it all on my device, but I would rather have the two hours that it would take to do all that to do something else. I try to surround myself with really positive, like-minded people. And so I just have um, hooked up with my friend JC, who's created this amazing product called Drum Tax. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, um, Moon Gels work. They're a little ugly. Mm-hmm. Drum Tacks are awesome because they're sexy. And you can also put them underneath drums. You can put them underneath, underneath cymbals. cymbals. And you, so it's actually a, it's a sonic... Yeah. Variation device. It's actually a tool, like perfect yeah. for studio drummers. Yeah. Yeah. And so he has a company called Scorpio Marketing, and with also my friend Jimmy Elcock, who is a wonderful kid I met, I don't know, maybe four years ago in a barn on a hot summer day in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And I'm super proud of him because he moved to Nashville, asked all the right questions, modeled himself after people he admired, and is now the drummer and band leader for Jamie Lynn Spears. And oh, okay. is a salaried musician in wow. Nashville and owns a home and owns a car and he's well under the five year yeah, yeah. rule. Right. So there are no rules. I'm like, damn, dude, you crushed it. Yeah. So they have a company called Scorpio Marketing, which mm-hmm. is amazing. And so they're going to be working with like Daniel Glass and Thomas Lang and myself and then maybe two other people. Okay. And they're going to be marketing our events. I see. I see. One last question. When do you practice? I'm practicing right now. You are. Thank you. That's that answers my question, right? <laughs> uh, you know that's that is an ama- that is an awesome question. Um, Thank you. Good night. I practice for practical application of things, specific things that I would need to prepare for a clinic session or tour. The idea of just sitting down and just going, I really want to tighten up my hudabudas. Yeah, it's not. It's rare. Yeah, but I'm 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 so happy that I put in the twelve thousand hours so that muscle memory wise I have a lot of this stuff down. Yeah. Now there are things that I would love to do. I'd love to have Thomas Lang's feet. I would love to have uh, Jojo Mayer's hands. Yeah. But when it comes down to it, what I really like Mayer's foot. Oh, Jojo. Yeah. Or is it what? Yeah, it's one foot. (laughs) It's one foot. I at this point in my life like making music with other people. Yeah. And ultimately. I have the skill set I need to mm-hmm. make the music that I make. Right. So I fill in my time doing these other business things. I also have a um, a consulting company called GPR Creative. And it basically, it's a creative mm-hmm. company with two other people. GPR Creative, and we don't have the website yet, but it's my friend uh, Jeremy Gold and my friend Jimmy Pemberton. And we're all drummers. We're all we're all drummers. And, and Jeremy is about to graduate top of his class from Belmont. And he is a master social media guru. He just got the job wow. doing all the social media for Warner Brothers oh, records. Geez. Nice. And uh, Jimmy is a, also a fantastic drummer. You'll also see him as the new face in Zildjian's ads for their quiet symbol. Yes, you know, yeah, quiet, right, yeah. That's Jimmy. 
and oh. he lives in Boston and has a personal relationship with the Zildjian people. He didn't. He's not a model. He didn't get. He looks like a model, but he didn't get hired through a modeling agency. He it was a handshake. It was a personal relationship with the Zildjian people. He said, "Do you want to be in an ad? Or you're right up the street. Come on down. We got the photographer. Yeah. Bam." And so he works with a lot of uh, tech companies, mm-hmm. the game show networks. And what he does is he's a creative type that these corporations will bring in. Corporations love creative types. They bring creative types in because oh, we're out yeah. of the box thinkers. Right. So he's right. bringing a whole other perception to things like the game show network and and yeah. and. Uh, tech companies and then i have this rolodex from 18 years in nashville of musicians and musician business type people Mm -hmm. and so it's just a little think tank and our our first client is this girl named Lindsay highland who's really really talented she's i believe a belmont graduate and uh, Lindsay highlander i'm thinking um and it's she's Lindsay highland on social media see that's my that's how my brain works i remember email addresses and and twitter ats um, she, and she's great. And so our whole model is we look at her branding. We got a new photo. We got a new photo shoot together for her. So we got a consistent image look. We got her branding together. We updated her all her socials, increased her fan engagement. We looked at her business and got her running her business as a small business in the black immediately. She's profiting not losing. And everybody thinks that the music business, you have to lose money, lose money, lose money to get to the point where you just start making money Immediately run your business as a small business and then it'll grow and continue it and you'll have a big business before as we do that. And then I worked with her live, worked with her live band to put together like an an awesome show that has a great flow. Where do you talk? It's almost like um, it's like a live performance coaching. Okay. And that's what our three man team talent development does. And so when Lindsay has been having a great time and she likes the results, we're probably going to move forward with her and we're going to continue to work with other artists that we see potential in mm-hmm. to get their game. And basically we take their game from A to B. C is the record deal. And that's, mm. the, that's the hard thing. Like no one can guarantee a record deal. But GPR Creative can give you the, the, the tools to be the most successful you can possibly be and have the best shot at creating right. C. And you have something that the record labels are going to say, well, they've got their shit together it's and just, we've got something we just need to pick up and keep rolling yeah. with and as you know you've worked with a lot of this young talent that moves to nashville and they have stars in their eyes and they really don't know how to take the first step right well a company like gpr can basically guide them in the right direction and say mm-hmm. we can do this for you this for you this for you this for you and give you a great start and give you the right tools yeah so that's kind of fun you that's know? nice man Man, so much going on. I don't know. That's awesome, man. I'm just trying to stay busy, man. <laughs> well, listen, man, I, uh, you are staying busy. And just to take the time to sit down and talk to us. Well, this is great. I I think this, what you have going here is fantastic. And the fact that I'm the video, I'm the guinea pig, this is really, really good. I appreciate you, man. Oh, brother. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for your time. And we realized that we met each other in 2000, and here we are. Dinosaurs were roaming the earth, and um, we're still here. little arms that's right see ya see you guys so there you have it there's our interview with Rich Redmond we want to thank him for taking the time out of his very busy schedule to sit down and talk to me and Mike and keep an eye out for the video that we're going to have on our YouTube channel and again if you like what you hear go write a great review on iTunes it does help us grow And uh, keep in touch, and we'll see you later. Bye.